Well, we have the wonderful, the talented, the incredibly good-looking bald man. <laughs> Here he goes again, you guys. Who I found out this week can put down a really big T-bone steak because mm -hmm. I cooked it for him, mm -hmm. grilled it. Good stuff. It was good. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. He's Cook. got a really awesome sermon. I heard it, uh, heard it last, uh, last service. And it put a whole new spin on how I now look at Ruth and Naomi. Ah, interesting. I hope it's godly and good and right. And... Father God, may we enjoy this wonderful sermon. May you mm. come into yes, Lord. Pastor Kevin. Mm. Lord, may the words that come out of his mouth be of you and not of him. May the teaching mm. be of you. Yes, Lord. May the words that, uh, that come out of his mouth come into the hearts of the people. May what it is, the message that he shares, connect with each and every person mm -hmm. in here. In the mighty name of your son, Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lance, and thanks for that steak. It was really good. I don't know about anything else you said, if any of that is true or not, but the, the steak was excellent. It was huge. It was like, you know, that big and about three times, four times as thick as my iPad. It was beautiful, beautiful, just a thing of beauty. And then he said it was dead cow meat, and then I didn't know about eating it. But anyway, I did anyway, but... Welcome, welcome to Heartland. We're glad to have you here with us this morning, um, and uh, if this is your first time, I'm Pastor Kevin, and welcome online. Glad to have you joining us uh, in both being here in person and online, as Lance was saying earlier. And I want to reiterate uh, my thanks for your giving and, and your faithfulness in that. Uh, it's just been such of an incredible encouragement to all of us. Uh, the other thing I wanted to add to that was the orphanage in Kenya. I got a really nice email from Grace this week thanking us. Yeah, there's some of the kids there, all of the kids. Um, she was just thanking us profusely for helping supply food. And we have a thing called the Blessing Bucks. You saw the thing flashing up there. And it started years ago. Just put a buck in it, we'll bless people with it. And it's turned into quite a, quite a way of blessing people in the thousands of dollars a year range. And uh, there have been some individuals uh, who have given, like, uh, the, it's $600 a month to feed all those kids. And during COVID, their supply lines were cut off and, and income was cut off and they're all on a shutdown isolation there too and going through some of the same struggles that we are. Um, only when they started the, the uh, 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 social distancing and the quarantine stuff, uh, I was hearing that two or three of the citizens were shot and killed because they weren't honoring it. I'm thankful that we live here, <laughs> you know. Um, so they were really uh, taking it seriously also, uh, quite a, very serious. Anyway, uh, thank you for your generosity there. And uh, it's $600 a month to feed all those mouths and some of the workers. And she was so um, filled with gratitude towards Heartland here to, that has stepped up during this time. And so if you just feel like the Lord's putting on your heart to maybe put some money in the blessing box, put a few dollars of cash or whatever, um, it's going to good causes, along with some local ones too. Won't get into all of that, but um, maybe somebody got to put on somebody's heart to help for a whole month, and that's 600 bucks, and that's happened before too. And just want to thank you for that, and just let you know that that opportunity is out there um, for all of us to be a blessing if we would so choose. Today... I want to share with you out of a book of the Bible that I don't think I've ever preached out of until the first service this morning, and it's, it's the book of Ruth in the Old Testament. And I, I know that I've, I'm pretty certain that I have referred to different scriptures in this book, and some of you are probably thinking of uh, one of the more famous verses that, that came out of this book. Um, but today I really want to, I, I want to share with you about a journey, two different types of journey, a physical journey 
in a spiritual journey. Um, maybe you could call it a physical journey and that's uh, an emotional journey and a spiritual. So maybe it's three types of journeys. Um, but I believe that our emotions are tied in with the spiritual side of us also. Um, and, and I don't believe that... I, I, well, one thing I do believe is if it's a set of rules and regulations, it can get really boring, can it? And then all we do is we go around trying to get others to act and talk just like us and dress just like us and say the same things and not, not enjoy the diversity of creation that God has put in within each one of us, different personalities, different, different joke-telling abilities, you know, that kind of thing, you know. I, you know. I go for the jokes that you roll your eyes with, you know. Some actually like people to laugh, you know, but oh well, that's... May, may or not be me, but uh, anyway, um, today I feel like is a special day that God wants to do something special, as I hope every Sunday is, and, and I pray that we would all be touched in our hearts, not just in our minds. I think it's important for us to gain intellect, is gain understanding. I, I, there's nothing wrong with that, but you know what? If it doesn't get down here, and if it doesn't change us, there's a problem. So I'm going to ask you all if you would join me and make, make a move towards that, just a, a physical move toward the conscious reality that God wants to touch your hearts today. And would you put your hand on your heart as I pray? I'm not going to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Jeff, you smile. This came from you. I've known Jeff and his walk with the Lord for 30 years, and I saw it again this morning. When God's touching your heart, you're doing this. Thank you. We put batteries in it, and how did that work? You got... Stacy, thank you, my Stacy, my Redeemer, my Savior of the microphone. Okay, so we're going to talk about Ruth this morning. We're going to look at some names. We're going to look at a story. The, I'm going to read the first five verses. I'm going to try not to comment too much on these because there's so much to say. We're going to look at some of these names and words in Hebrew and see what they mean. It's going to be kind of a teachy, preachy type thing. But again, I want us to understand that I believe that God wants it to be more than just up here. He wants it in here. And I think that there's something for all of us here. And again, we're all on a journey, aren't we? And we all make decisions. And, and you, I could even use this phrase, you know, uh, sometimes we think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. And that, this is kind of a story about that, too. And so, beginning in the first verse of Ruth chapter 1, I'd love to read the whole book and talk about the whole book, um, but I'm going to try to have us out of here by, by uh, noon. 
I, I had an altar call. I encourage everybody to come forward in the first service. And my wife said, you know, some aren't comfortable with that because of COVID and getting too close. And there's a lot of people up front, but uh, we'll do it a little differently at the end of this. Um, but uh, let's start in the first verse of, of the book of Ruth. Um, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two son were, sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, uh, descendants of Ephraim um, in Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. In verse 3, Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. Okay, so they started this journey. We don't know how long into the journey that, that they were when her husband died. And try to put yourself in Naomi's place, okay? Um, losing loved ones. If you're a husband and... Losing your wife, maybe, and it would not be fun. And I know that there are people that are listening to me that have had that happen to them. Um, it's not, it's not a, a fun place to be. It's a very, a, a very heart-rending place to be. Uh, but Naomi's husband died, and she was left with her two sons, and they married Moabite women, one named Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah. And the other is named Ruth. After they lived there about... 10 years, so we know there in these first five verses, at least 10 years have gone by. So isn't that funny? We can read something in just a few minutes and not catch that. 10 years have passed. Both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. So here they are in Bethlehem, and as you study this out a little bit, you find out that the word Bethlehem in Hebrew means house of bread. House of bread. Uh, and, and so they left the house of bread. Why? Because of a famine. Almost a contradiction there. But they left the house of bread. And they kind of took matters into their own hands. It doesn't say anywhere here that God told them to leave. It just says that they packed up and, and left because of the famine. And so they moved to a place called Moab, and now Naomi is, has lost everything. She's lost her security. She's, you know, in that day and age, to, to be a woman and losing your husband and your sons, your only source of income and, and, and even position or anything, status in the country. I mean, it's, it's really something. And so she, was, she had lost everything. And it's interesting, though, that, that, that what some of these names actually mean, Elimelech means, uh, my God is king. So mom and dad um, had, a, had a pretty good uh, name-giving business or whatever. And his wife's name was Naomi, which means my delight. So we've got God is king, Naomi is my delight. But the names of their son just caused me to do this. When you, when you read the, 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 the meaning of their names in Hebrew, um, Melan means sick. I don't think, I don't think Steve... Like if you have a new baby and you say, oh man, that baby is sick, man. You know, I don't think that's the slang for this thing is awesome and cool, you know. I think it meant sick. I don't know. I don't know why they would do that. And then Kilion means wasting away. Why would you do that? You name your two, hey, this, this is my, my 
son's sick, and this is my son wasting away. I don't, I don't understand it. You guys can figure that out for me. Uh, Zach is going to be teaching at Ellendale. You can come up with the answer for that for me, okay? And let me know what that means. Um, but uh, wait, anyway, uh, they decide to take off because things weren't going the way they are. And here's where the ga- grass is greener on the other side of the fence, perhaps. And they move to, to Moab, and everything goes bad. And this is about a 30-mile trip. Yeah, which would take seven to ten days, I would assume, to get there, or, as I was reading it, depending on you know, the amount of goods that you have to bring and people and, and uh, all of those other things. But in verse 6, um, something happens. All, all this has taken place in Naomi's life. She's left with her two daughters-in-law, having lost, feeling like she's lost everything. Later on, you'll see that she said, we left, when we left Bethlehem, we were full. We left a full place. When we left the house of bread, we were full. And now... I have nothing. Actually, she describes her situation in a few verses uh, as even worse than that. Um, but listen to what she heard then. In verse 6, when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food to them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. So they leave this place thinking the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, and then they find out that God was blessing people in Bethlehem. Was it, did she lose all these people in her life as a result of their move? We don't really know. All we know is it happened. And, and all we know is that it wasn't good, that this whole journey wasn't good. It wasn't positive. Have you ever been on a journey like that? I was on a journey like that just last week. Oh my goodness, was it bad. I wanted to go home. You ever wanted to go on a journey and you want to go home? So we get this, you know, you heard the, the Ford updates that I had a few weeks ago. Now, then we get a Dodge. Great, great with a Cummins diesel. Wonderful. Wonderful. But you know what Dodge means in the dictionary? To avoid. Yeah. <laughs> it means to avoid. If you look it up, to avoid. Dodge. Oh. Anyway, love it. But... So we, go, we were heading out to Medora last week, as many of you know. Um, we went there, and uh, we stopped at a gas station, right? And we're pulling through to get fuel, not gas, but fuel, diesel. And, and uh, I had to make a left turn to get, to get enough room to go into the pumps over at the steel exit over there. And I went in a cockamamie way. I should have never went anyway. But there was these big steel concrete dividers there. And so we're pulling through there, and the pump I needed was right here. So I cranked it to the left, and as I'm cranking it to the left, I hear this horrible crunching sound. And it got worse. Because I look in my rear view mirror, and the side of my camper is sticking out about two feet. And there's a big block of concrete underneath the camper, and it ripped off the sewer pipes. And we got the camper from my brother-in-law who happened to leave the dark tank three-fourths full. And so guess what spilled out all over the parking lot and stunk like poop? Yeah, poop. I've never seen that happen in a truck stop. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, Colleen. It was really something. So I get in this thing. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Will the slide even go out? Yeah, the slide went out. That was all fine, and I could kick in the steel and everything. But then, then I thought, what did I do to the holding tank? Busted it all. The, you, know, the, you know, just busted it all the pieces. And, and I thought. And so I tape it up and rope it up, and we get kicked the side of the camper in so it looks halfway decent. And then we pull up by the fuel pump, and I'm just up 
upset. Cops come. Had a nice chat with the police, two of them. We had a really nice chat. They were really nice people. Um, they were trying to make me feel better. And I must have been visibly annoyed because the, one of the policemen says, uh, you know, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. And I turned around as I was walking away. He says, it's just a thing. And I said, thank you. You're absolutely right. It's just a thing. But it wasn't because it was my reputation pulling a trailer. I'm a guy. You don't do stupid things pulling trailers. It's a guy thing. You, I've pulled trailers all over the country and diesel pushers and semis, everything, you know? It's, <laughs> oh, well, not for me. Yeah, not for you. Yeah, see? That you, so you know what I'm talking about. It's like a guy thing. It's never. <laughs> anyway, well, it, does, it gets worse from here. Because what, we had bought an 18-carton egg thing, and I had gone in there to get a coffee out of the fridge before we left Jamestown, before this happened in Steel. And Sarah goes in there after all this happened. We're getting ready to go on a row, and here 18 eggs are broken all over the floor of our new camper. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm driving this thing. I think, man, I shouldn't even be driving. I should have stayed home. I should have never went on this journey. We get there, and I'm talking. We're all talking about it. There's, I woke up that morning, and my eyes were like bloodshot. They were like red, red, red uh, allergies. And that was how my day started. And then I'm showing my in-laws this table. It's a really cool table. It's got a little leaf that pulls out underneath it. And it kind of snaps up, but underneath is this spring-loaded sh shelf thing, and I snap, got my fingers in it, and I couldn't move my hand, and it was hurting, and they were all laughing at me like I'm pretending. I wasn't pretending. And so that was my day, and I was thinking, you know, we went on this journey, and everything's gone bad. And so then we get there, I fix, the, I, I fix the sewer, and then the water heater just would not stop leaking, you know, and this new thing, we're going to have this fun. I didn't tell you that, Eric, I saw you at the musical... You know, go to the musical, you want to get your patriotism on, huh? Isn't that a great musical? And the comedian was actually funny. I laughed so hard. Huh? Your eyes are red and white, but not blue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're red and white, but not blue. <laughs> but anyway, you know, all this is going on, and, you know, but th that's really trivial. I'm just using that as an example because sometimes life takes turns that seem to be one bad thing after another, don't they? And this is what's happened to Naomi is so much. My little example is nothing. Um, and and, and uh, Naomi has this hard, hard um, period of life that she's got to pull through somehow. And she had heard that God had blessed. That must have just bugged her even more. Here we moved away from where God was going to bless, and we went out here, and all this bad stuff happened. And sometimes we think if we can just pull up and move away somewhere, everything's going to be better, right? Have you ever felt that way? You know, and it doesn't always work out that way. If we do, we'd better make sure it's God doing it, not just something that we want. We better make sure as believers that God is leading us in these areas because he does want to bless. He really does. But sometimes we make our own choices, and this is what they did. And they wanted to go back, and it says, Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, and she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Now, picture that. Here she is with her two daughters-in-law. I always just thought that she went with the one right away, but no, she starts on the road with both of them. And I think all this is turning over in her heart. She doesn't believe in herself anymore. She doesn't believe in that God is going to bless her anymore. And she turns to her two daughters and says, what are you even, daughter-in-laws, what are you even following me for? Got that in your head? 
And then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each one of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye and wept aloud and, and said to, Then she kissed them goodbye and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you and to your people. But Naomi says, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? What have I got to offer? I've lost everything. I've lost God's blessing. I have nothing to give you. I'm going to have, am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, and even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. I find that quite a statement. Life is too bitter for me. This situation is too bitter for me. Why is it bitter? Because God's done this to me. Anybody been there? Anybody been mad at God? Anybody been frustrated, mad at God? I know people who have said that they have cursed God because they blame Him for the situation they are in. At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah, not Oprah, kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. You're better off with your gods than with my God. Wow, that's another stunning statement from a child of God. This doesn't just happen overnight to the believer, I don't think. There's a slow fade that takes place when we take a, a journey away from God when we interpret every bad thing as being sent by God. And it begins to cause havoc in our hearts. And we've got to watch, guard our heart, the Bible says. It is with our heart that we're, we're commanded, really, to love God with all of it. And that's hard to do, isn't it? Because when we hold on to certain things like bitterness and unforgiveness, we're not truly loving him with all of our heart. And in love, God speaks to us and tries to get us to reason with him so he can bring healing. But bitterness does strange things to us, doesn't it? Makes us become somebody that we're not. At this they wept aloud again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, and Ruth, but Ruth clung to her. Orpah means uh, gazelle. Ruth means friend. We all need a friend sometimes to believe in us when we don't believe in ourselves, don't we? We all need somebody to say, hey, I know who you really are. This isn't you right now. You're going to, things are going to turn around. You're going to come around. You're going to come back to where you need to be. And I'm going to stick with you. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to be a friend. I know of a friend that we all have that will stick with us. Even if we don't feel like we have anybody on this earth, we have a friend named Jesus 
looks at Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. Go back with her. Go back with her to her gods. Don't stick with me. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Listen to what she says. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. That's powerful. Saying that to somebody who doesn't believe right now. Or at least if she does, it doesn't believe there's any, going to be any good coming out of it. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Wow. That's a friend. That's a friend. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Naomi means my delight. Doesn't sound very delightful right now, does she? When they arrived in the house of bread, and when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town, this is verse 19, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be my delight? Can this be Naomi? And she says, Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. This word Mara is used in, it's a pla there was a place called Mara where the waters were bitter right after Israel left Egypt and they went to a place called Mara. And in our, one of our rabbi studies, Noah was speaking about this and he said that this, the translation should read to us, they were bitter at Mara, or the waters were bitter because they were bitter. Isn't it something when we get to this place in life, everything is bitter? Even the good things that people try to do to bring encouragement can be bitter to us. We make this choice and it's a slippery slope to find all of life to be bitter. Even trying to serve God can bring up bitter feelings. She says, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me my delight. Call me bitter because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full. I went away from the house of bread full. But the Lord has brought me back here empty. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I have. Not necessarily physically, but spiritually and emotionally. I've gone on those journeys and they, they hurt. They're confusing. You begin to question the very core of your belief even. And those are good places to be if we stay sensitive to God and we, we stand our ground. We don't make foolish decisions, emotional decisions. I went away full. I had my husband. I had my children. I was full. We had our land here. I was full. Yeah, there was a famine but I was full, and I had my God. And that same God forsook me and helped those who didn't leave. So, you know, he must not love me. I've heard all these things from believers over the years. He must not love me. You know, we live in a world of sin. It wasn't intended to be this way. God fashioned us to be like him. We were made in his image. 
And because of sin in the Garden of Eden, the world is what it is today. And so when all these abnormal things happen as a result of sin, we just sometimes don't know who to go to or how to even handle them. And we have such a brokenness inside. Even emotionally, we're broken. We don't understand the pathway to healing sometimes. And this is where Naomi was. And she was a woman that was my, called my delight, but she preferred to be called bitter because of God. Chew on that. God has afflicted me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth, her friend, the Moabite. You see, even when we feel this way about ourselves, we have a friend with us. You can deny. That was God saying this is true. Okay. You can deny that he's with you. But like Ruth, he'll stick with you. He loves you. He died for you. He died on that cross for you. He, he received in his own body the, the penalty for your sin and my sin. And he'll stick with us. He knows our human weaknesses and he knows our frailty. He knows our emotional makeup. And some of us have been through an awful lot, like Naomi. And he understands why you feel the way you feel. But let me tell you something. He doesn't want you to lose your hope in him because he has a future for you. And maybe you're listening today, whether online or in here, and you've never surrendered your life to him. You've never understood it. But let, let me just tell you simply, he loves you and he died for you on that cross. And he rose from the dead to prove that he has power over even our greatest enemy, which is death. And he has a purpose for you. And all you got to do is receive him as your savior and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I have screwed up. I'm a sinner. I can't fix my own life. I surrender to you. And I ask you to take me on a journey of healing, forgiveness, and salvation, and a journey of eternal life. That's what he wants. He doesn't cause all this garbage to happen. He came because of all this garbage. And he died on that cross to bring us hope. And Naomi couldn't see it. Maybe there's people in here who can't see it today in your own life. I want to tell you, don't give up on God. Sometimes we just have to stand firm. Sometimes we have to just stake out our ground and say, here's where I'm standing. And I'm going to trust God regardless of how long it takes. You know, sometimes life, when we make choices, they just simply don't work out the way we want. Maybe we marry this person who's abusive or whatever, and we, we had these dreams that we, it was going to be good, and it's not. Maybe we had these dreams that we were going to raise all of our children, but yet one of them was hit in a car and was killed in a car accident. That isn't what we hoped for. These are the reasons Jesus came to bring healing in these situations, but even more than that, to heal our sin sickness in our heart and to give us hope to give us love to give us forgiveness to give us true freedom Elimelech took his family from the place of bread to Moab as I said earlier it doesn't say that God sent him 
But they left this place, this house of bread, because of famine. And, and as I said earlier, they had everything they needed, but they left it. You know, I, I look at this as a spiritual fall for us. If I can spiritualize this scripture for a moment. How many of you have been in the place of bread, place of fruitful relationship with Jesus and you're just not feeling it? You've been on a journey. Let me tell you something. Maybe you're growing more as a result of where you're at right now than you would have otherwise. But do not allow it to bring bitterness, frustration, and hatred, especially towards God. And then she hears that God's blessing other people. Sometimes we get there too when we're down and out. We don't feel like God's blessing us. We see other people getting blessed and we think they're, they're just making it up or we get so frustrated with them. We think, yeah, look at them. Yeah, I don't even want to be around them. You ever been there? I have. Called life. But you don't have to stay there. So what did I learn? I need to, I need to wrap this up. You know, as I repeat a couple of things, but isn't it interesting that Bethlehem is the birthplace of Jesus Christ? Some of you know where I'm going. He is known as the bread of life. Isn't that something? The house of bread is where the bread of life comes from. Makes sense, doesn't it? Wow. There's a lot more cool stuff here. Naomi felt like there was no hope for her future, that the Lord had turned against her. She was bitter. She didn't even believe in her namesake. She didn't believe she was a delight to anyone, including herself. She was no longer a delight to herself, and that's biblical to be a delight to ourselves because it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as who? Yourself. Hmm. All of Bethlehem was stirred. They knew who she was. Probably didn't recognize her anymore because bitterness does that to us. What can I apply? I'm not going to blame God for the consequences of my decisions anymore. Not that I have a lot in the past, but I'm going to be careful not to in the future. I don't want to blame God for the consequences of my choices. What else am I going to learn from this? I make myself bitter. God doesn't. I have a choice. God does not want us to be bitter. Actually, he tells us in the book of Hebrews to be careful that a bitter root, be careful that a bitter root doesn't rise up among you to defile many. So you be careful. That's our responsibility. And, and it starts right here, doesn't it? I've got to be careful. I'm not bitter. What else can I learn from this? I can't lose my perspective when things are down. I tell you what, this, this last couple of years have been rough, haven't they? And especially the spring and every, oh, 2020, the, day, the year of vision, the year of knowing where we're going, of focus, all this, and wham, nobody knows what's going to happen next week anymore. But we, can, we have a friend that we can trust. When we lose perspective, that can become a cancer in itself, can it? That affects our spiritual walk. We have to have the proper perspective. Just because my life at the time, the circumstance I'm in, looks like there is not hope. God provides a way back to the place of bread for any of us. See, this is not a graceless message for Naomi. He brought her back to that spiritual place of bread, 
of blessing. Let me, let me just share that with you as I close. Um, they came back when the barley harvest was just starting. I believe in a sense with all that's gone on, there's a new barley harvest coming for us. I really believe that. Um, and it's different than grain. I'm talking about a spiritual harvest. But Naomi instructed Ruth to go to Boaz who owned the barley fields and to, and to, to scavenge barley from his fields. And so Ruth, the, her friend, scavenged whatever sustenance she could get that was left over in the fields in a man's field named Boaz and became the owner of that field. And you read, read through the book of Ruth, incredible story of how this all happens, can't get into it, running out of time. But she marries Boaz. You know who Boaz's mother was? Rahab the harlot. That's cool. That shows God accepts anybody. This is the gal who helped us, 12 spies, going into Jericho to, to take down Jericho, or the, the spies, the two spies, to go in and take down Jericho. And she helped them, and she hid them, and she fed them. And she was spared when Jericho fell. She was not an Israelite. She was an alien. God accepted her. God loved her. She became the mother of Boaz, who marries Ruth. Let me read verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The woman said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, your friend who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has now given birth. And Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. Let's keep reading. Obed was the father of Jesse, the father of David, who became king. Wow! We think we got no future. We think we got no hope. We don't know anything. That's why we need to just trust in God no matter what we're going through. He's got this. Let's guard our hearts like the scripture says because he's got this. Maybe some of us need to hold a new baby in our arms, and I'm not talking about a physical baby. Maybe we need a new spiritual birth within our own hearts. You keep going. Go into the first chapter of the book of Matthew. It gets much better than this because out of this line, out of this genealogy, comes Jesus Christ himself, born in a city called Bethlehem. Wow! And here we have a lady Named Naomi, who was hopeless. Felt like there was no hope, no future. And in reality, in her line, in her descendants, came the hope of the whole world. Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me as we close? Ellie, would you come? And I'm asking her to lead a song and, uh, this morning as we close. But I, I also want to ask you today, where are you at? You hopeless? Feeling empty? 
Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus. I just encourage you to say, God, I'm sorry. I, I've sinned. I've made mistakes. I surrender my life to you. I want to receive you as my Savior today. He will accept you. He went through all this for you. He came to earth because of the hardships, because of the sin and the consequences of sin. And he wants to wash us of all of that and take away the consequences of our sin. And one day, we'll be free from the very presence of it. Isn't that going to be awesome? That's something to shout and rejoice about. But in this life, there is hope for us. And so what do I do? We stand firm. We can't let anything move us. We must always give ourselves fully to the work of the Lord because our labor in the Lord is not in vain. And that, to me, has everything to do with relationship. Picture Naomi holding that baby, descendant, the ancestor of the Savior of the world in her arms. Wow. She had no clue. Maybe she did. I don't know. I'm pretty clueless most of the time, so I probably wouldn't. But I can't afford to let life make me bitter. I can't afford to let life take hope from me. I can't afford to allow myself to think that way. I've got to discipline my thinking. I've got to keep proper perspective in my life. And I don't know if you're here today and you're, maybe you were once in a place of fullness and now you're not so much there. Maybe you feel at least, maybe not if totally empty, that, you've been, that you're being emptied out. I want to ask you to do the same thing that I ask you as we begin. It's to put your hand in your heart. If you say, God, I want to be in a place of fullness today. I want to be in a place of God's blessing I want to be in a place of knowing if, if, if I don't see it physically, I want to see it spiritually and I want to have the ability to just continue to trust. Lord, as we close the service and you see your saints that are making a move by just simple, something as simple as putting our hands in our hearts, Lord, speak into those hearts. Speak hope. Speak new dreams, new realities, new ministry. Lord, help us to realize that you've called us to reproduce ourselves and other people's lives. And even when we're down, let us know. Let speak to our hearts that we have a Ruth, a friend that sticks closer to us than a brother. Even in those times of being down, we have Jesus who stands with us. And Lord, as important as anything as I could ask, fill us fresh and new with your spirit. We don't only want intellect. That is, we know it doesn't stop in the mind. That, and as good as that all is, and we don't want to downplay that, but Lord, we need you in our hearts to change us and bring about everlasting change. Because only you can do it. We thank you for it. I've asked Ellie just to lead us in a song, and I just want to encourage you to make this your prayer. And I just want to thank you for attending today, and go home, read the book of Ruth, chew on this stuff, chew on it, read the rest. I, I, I've listened to it probably six or eight times in the last couple days. Just turned my phone on and had my phone read to me. I don't know who that guy is in the NIV. I don't like his voice as much as some of the other ones, but that's the one I listen to. And, you know, it just speaks into your heart. Because the rest of that book is awesome. Make it practical. Apply it. It'll change your life. God bless you. Thanks for being here today.
Let's sing this song as a prayer.
Mr. 